Get ready to experience the sharding. Wait, what was it called? <laughs> the shatter. <laughs> the shatter. <laughs> the shattering was the event. And then shattering, the, okay. The the short. Yes. Alrighty, welcome to 321 Lay On Podcast, show about live action role playing. For those who love it and those who have never even heard of it, the show is for you. Today we have a pretty cool episode, um, a new LARP that's running in New England, and we're going to talk with Blaze and Daoud. Uh, sorry if I said your name wrong, buddy, but uh, <laughs> we're going to hear about their game, Spork Mania. Joining us today is my brother Evan. Hey, and Joe. Hey, let's go. <laughs> We're going to uh, talk to these guys about their game, hear a little bit about the rules and the world they created. And one of the things that was really cool, when I just stumbled upon the website, I'll, right away I noticed it was different. Uh, and so I guess their one of their goals is to incorporate technology and AR. And uh, Joe and I were just kind of talking about that the other day, about how we'd like to see a little bit more of that in LARP. Oh, definitely. And the way they're using technology to, like, communicate with players and geocache and stuff like that. So it sounds really interesting. Yeah. Might present new opportunities, as we all know, living in technology and how frustrating it can be. But uh, seems like they'll probably, you know, keep it simple for now and then, you know, grow or add on. Yeah, because I guess it's, like, kind of hard to see what your player base is going to, like, attach to and, and be cool with. But it sounds like they have a, a good direction and a good tell of what people want. Yeah. Alrighty, and with that, we're gonna hear about this awesome new game. Uh, thanks for joining us, guys, and enjoy the show. Alrighty, well, thanks a lot for joining us, guys. Yeah. Oh, thanks for inviting us. Yeah. Excited to hear about your game. Dysphoric Mania is like, well, one, I'm about, I'm 31 now. Um, I've been LARPing for what since 2000. Seven? Yeah, when I finished uh, with the Air Force Academy. And I still use that coat that I had at the Air Force Academy. It's a blue parade dress uniform coat that works just just dandy. Yeah. Uh, But, um, no, anyway, but I've been to games all over the Gulf Coast, you know, um, up and down. I was born and raised in New Orleans. Um, Went to games in Louisiana, Mississippi, Florida, Texas. A um, couple in Georgia, um, and then when I finished the graduate school, my brother Evan just said, "Hey, come up to Boston, try it out." And you know, I did. Haven't looked back since. Um, quickly found a quick D and D game in the area, as any of us can easily do. And uh, yeah, no, um, Dad's been fantastic since day one. I mean, he's one of the most creative people I know. His stories have depth like every npc i've seen him create has some form of motivation that's beyond the standard i guess mm-hmm. you know but um that's kind really of to say. <laughs> uh, but r- really though um the idea for the game came from an old irc groups that i used to play on when i was uh back in high school you know when irc was a thing um and it was a game where you could basically create anything from anywhere. And that's always kind of stuck with me, the, um, the very, very interesting 
conversations that would happen between characters from just incredibly disparate realities, even, you know? And, you know, every game I go to, most are fantastic, you know, hardworking staff and everything like that, but I could never always create, you know, the ideal character that popped into my head that inspired me to keep on, you know, playing and um, buying up the costuming and everything like that. And so I, I've been working on a rule system that's like various iterations over the course of um, oof, about five, six years now. So this is like iteration five, I think, yeah, roughly. And just trying to make the most open rule system that's low on complication low on the amount of stuff you have to say, mm-hmm. basically, you know? Sure. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but the actual, like, background of the shattering and things like that, that was pretty much worked out between myself and Dowd. Um, we had a Slack channel going with some of our other staff members to pitch ideas. But for the most part, the actual nitty-gritty of the world is all Dowd. Honest. Yeah, so I mean, it's a bit of a blank slate uh, in some ways because uh, the idea is that we're going to get a lot of the plot from our players because every player has the ability to bring their own. They can do as much world building as they want. So people, of course, some people are, are really happy to run with that. So they give us lots of material to work with and then we can create plots that are really unique for them. Uh, but at the same time, we also thought there's probably going to be some people who don't want to make up a whole world in order to play <laughs> a game. Uh, so we created a handful of worlds to sort of showcase the variety of possibilities to show that this rule set uh, is just as friendly to a cyberpunk future as it is to a fantasy world or a comic book hero world or um, or steampunk uh, yeah. So we wanted to show the different possibilities. So we kind of spun yarns with a handful of those worlds to get things rolling. Yeah, I think I like the openness. Um, do you <laughs> find that something a lot of LARPs are kind of leaning toward or a lot are more like um, this is our world and you're playing it? <laughs> oh, you know, I am noticing more of an extreme on both sides, actually, of um, of philosophies on that end. Like the fantasy LARPs that are out there are uh, getting very to- as Tolkien as they can get, you know, very hard, hard fantasy. I've just been noticing from what's been going out there. But then you're also seeing, on the other hand, you know, the most po- post-apocalyptic settings, things that you wouldn't even dream, like, ever even see in most fantasy sci-fi novels. You know, just very, very out there, off the wall, where you could be anything. And I, I have been seeing that pop up a lot more, too. Um, but yeah, very much more on the extremes on either end. Mm-hmm. For us, we just we want to give people the excuse to dust off their favorite character that's been retired, you know? Sure. Um, or just finally make, you know, let their experience be heard. Mm-hmm. You know, and a, with a little bit more openness and transparency around how that happens. And for me, I'm actually extremely new to LARPing, uh, by contrast. Uh, I have attended only one LARP other than Dysphoric Mania. <laughs> uh, so I, uh, I don't have a broad range of experience with LARPs. Um, 
So part of what I'm thinking about all the time is how to make this approachable for new people, because that's a perspective that I still very much have. Uh, and I remember I was talking to a friend of mine who's actually a game designer uh, who designs immersive games, which are kind of like LARPs in many ways. But she told me that she's always been afraid to try LARPing because she was afraid to be told she was not being an elf correctly. Uh, <laughs> that happens. So, so, uh, so in Dysphoric Mania, you can decide what your world's elves are like if you want to play an elf at all. Uh, if you want to be that, if you want to go that route, uh, you know, you can pick the, the elf interpretation that you like. And uh, so that's one of the things that we hope will be less of a barrier to entry to people who might be nervous about trying something new out. Would you say that's your target demographic? People who have never LARPed before or appeal to anybody? Um, honestly, it is. We are building it and hoping they will come. Yeah. Continue coming obviously. And, uh, yeah. Um, at this point though, we want to make it open. Definitely. Like that's with the idea of the AR idea. Um, again, this is a little bit down the road once, uh, you know, we establish everything, but, uh, no, we've got a three printer on the way. We're consulting with a bunch of, uh, a couple of engineers on building, um, Wi-Fi enabled modular trap systems. Um, yeah, I mean, but, and really, one of the other big things that always stuck with me whenever I went to any game was how often staff was forced to rely on the NPC running into town saying, help me, help me, to hook any plot, you know? And once it happens four or five times over the course of a day, immersion's great, but it starts dipping a bit. So we want to make sure that we are as connected as possible with knowledge, uh, skills, things like that, and try to get it to our players as stealthily as possible without having to go that route. So, for instance, some of the ideas that we're thinking about, um, you know, are between game skills, for instance. You know, you would declare that you're doing X, Y, or Z. So scouting, say, between the games your skill you purchase the skill you got the skill between the game you scout well the start of the next game you now have a map with a basically a mob location cool and you know hopefully allowing that will give the players as much agency as possible um to really give you that sandbox feel you know so when you guys um because you guys have everybody kind of like submitting their stories uh, at times, like making their own world and all that kind of stuff. Do you guys, are you guys like telling your story and they're kind of meeting you in the middle? Is that, is that kind of like how you're facilitating? I'll let that you know, go. Plot? Um, <laughs> in a way, we're not really meeting in the middle. Uh, it's actually more, we're going toward them because oh, okay. every player's character awakens in our world kind of in the middle of whatever they were doing. So they write their st story up into the point where their existence shattered. Uh, so they could have been in the middle of dinner or whatever. Um, so they find themselves in a completely different world with no obligation for their character to have any understanding of what has just happened to them. But uh, when they start seeing threads of their world in the new universe that they find themselves in, that's kind of where we start moving our plot toward them. 
Uh, so that will, of course, uh, perhaps raise some questions about what's going on in this new universe. But, uh, of course, those answers will be things that have to be discovered over the course of play. Gotcha. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, as I was skimming through your rule book um, <laughs> and reading through some of those, I was just imagining or <laughs> fantasizing, I guess, how these things might all work out or play out. Um, have you guys yeah. run something like this in a, not a LARP necessarily, but other games where the same thing might happen? People come to you with something <laughs> they created and you try to make a story or interactive story with it or is this kind of just a trial by fire? It's oh. mostly that. <laughs> we have, <laughs> have had a one play test with players that was uh, a chance to see what it looks like in action. But uh, of course, it's going to really evolve as we have people who have been to more than one game as we go forward. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and more investment in characters and a like breeds more. I mean, look at most game forums. They're chock full of people role-playing between the sessions and the like, developing their characters and building a, the world around it. Why not use that content sure. and enrich the game, you know? And I think ultimately we'll probably have a series of uh, wikis where people can mm. flesh out some of the popular player worlds where more than one person wants to share the world building. Uh, okay. So that's allowed. You could show up with your brother who's your brother in game or something or yeah. comrade or arch villain or mm. something. We're also yeah. imagining that some people who have perhaps played at a game and seen some of the worlds that, uh, that we've created to sort of seed things might for, for example, want to create uh, one of the cultures, a character from one of the cultures in those worlds. Yeah, and again, you know, the more player agency we can give them, if they want to fill out the nitty-gritty of that specific culture, we let them, for the most part. It's um, Stories typically follow patterns in certain ways. You're just changing the blanks, you know? And not saying that genre doesn't matter but does it have to <laughs> guess we'll find out <laughs> what well, we did see at the at our first play test i was quite surprised because it was a one you know it was a play test a very small scale uh and we did it know, in a store in a mall <laughs> yeah basically <laughs> um but at the level of yeah. The, the level of uh, investment that people had, people came with really, they put a lot of work into their characters and their settings. And so I think that was kind of, for me, a moment where I saw that, yeah, people actually, they want to do this. This is a this is something that people are taking to, the opportunity to do their own world building. And we had some really unique kind of things. It wasn't, um, it wasn't all kind of your standard space mm -hmm. marines and elves right. uh, but we had some people with some really kind of idiosyncratic worlds that they were bringing we had a couple of characters oh. from a diesel punk universe yeah. that oh. they had worked on together he, he put a um he put a voice modulator in his uh mask that he wore it was incredible <laughs> <laughs> yeah we had a full-on dragon uh kin basically wizard who it was spot on uh, I remember actually, um, it was the beta test took place in like a, sp a space Hulk 
kind of thing floating through space and they were trying just to survive after getting ported there from wherever they were last mm-hmm. it's a complete surprise not a great situation and i was playing an engineer on a monitor using uh, ipads and um every time his character would pop up into the screen you know there was like a half second delay but each time due to the graininess of the call it, it kind of it looked amazing it really really did <laughs> nice to get immersed in your own world that, right. that quickly just while you're testing yeah, yeah. You guys use a lot of uh, technology we, with your mods and special effects and stuff. Definitely, we're that's what we're definitely trying to do uh, is utilize as much as possible in the hopefully the best ways possible, even if that's not what it was originally intended to do. Uh, yeah, so we we obviously want to uh, explore this more going forward. That's kind of one of our philosophies is to try to use technology in smart ways. Um, we got to test it out a little bit at the first uh, event, even working small scale. And we don't have programmers on the staff or anything like that now. But um, you know, we worked with we worked with the with the iPad as a means of communication. A lot of players enjoyed talking to someone through a monitor. Uh, we had another spot where there was a computer console where you could kind of put in commands, and if you if you played with it enough, there were some audio logs that could be unlocked um, inside the computer module, so people enjoyed playing with that as well. Was it part of a mod, or just kind of a, if somebody were, nothing going on right now, you can check it out? <laughs> that was an open thing that was sitting in the uh, in the sort of what you might call the tavern area, even though they were on a Space Hulk, but it was the social area where they were sitting a good deal of time, and they would find passcodes on different modules that they went on. Nice. Uh, so they could plug those in and get a little more of the backstory as they continue to explore. I'm definitely interested already. <laughs> Evan, Evan keeps finding the or Ashton, I mean, keeps finding these LARPs like four to five hours away, and I'm like, stop. Where are you guys based? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, we're we're smack dab in uh, Massachusetts. Uh, we're hoping to be closer to Connecticut, roughly, when we actually, you know. Uh, for a regular, uh, let's see, I think it's Wales, Massachusetts, is, is uh, where the next camp is that we're going to in August, um, which is closer to the border, I believe, but still pretty far for a lot of. And that'll be your first official event. Uh, that would be the first. That's the first overnight event. Yeah, what I consider an official LARP event. Yeah. Nice. So even our play tests we're treating as canon in terms of okay. the continuity. Oh of the yeah, hundred percent. Great. It's the idea again of the role play interactions between people who have who have nowhere else to go. So it's hard to be the jaded commoner when you're basically on an in this uh, live or die situation nonstop. I suppose um, very very isolated. Yeah, and again, no chance of going home. How do the characters react? So it's kind of like instantly putting people's characters, allowing them to express the most stressful day of their lives <laughs> immediately around each other. And they're all armed. <laughs> what could go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> and in a way, it's kind of meta because, you know, as we're building a new LARP community, the characters in the game are building civilization from the scrap heap of whatever poured it into the shard. So it's going to be all about in the beginning, the game is really all going to be about building and establishing some kind of semblance of a community. And yeah, 
definitely tailored the uh, non-combat oriented skills all towards that survival mindset mm-hmm. or that exploration mindset of the into the unknown. A little bit of Lovecraftian horror and the like, but the main loot that'll go out will usually make sense. Like, you're not going to have gold pieces on a wolf. Uh-huh. Uh, it'll be more like you scouted out a bunker. You go into the bunker and find a computer. You better bring your screwdriver so you can take out that computer chip mm-hmm. and bring it back to camp. And then we base our economy um, on uh, two different known values in-game that are very, very consistent. So we definitely try to build as much consistency as possible into what goes out, what players experience, so that if one of them does write something down one day, next year it hasn't, you know, it still means something. Mm-hmm. How do you get people to role-play on the forums? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what forum? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> No, no. Uh, a forum is something I always had a love-hate relationship with. No, it's mostly just a hate relationship with. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, no, I understand the appeal and everything like that. It's just it, I've, I've oftentimes found it to be more of a source of social poison than mm-hmm. boon, you know, than baboon, basically. Yeah. I mean, again, maybe I've just been in the south too long i don't know because <laughs> we have forums for 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 the game i help uh i'm yeah. staff at and um yeah that's great i'm i'm a pretty new larper myself i've, I've only okay. been larping for about four years and the first larp that i went to the forums were pretty like a lot of people were very involved in the forums and it was just like you know up or down like take it or leave it yeah uh, but i know you guys were saying that you really want to like pursue and like add whatever is going on in that kind of uh, those, that forum RP and, and add it to the game really to bring life to your game and stuff. Yeah, we you know we're exploring um, very you know just the best way to do that so that it's good it's easier for staff to keep track of uh, in order to like utilize it better because again it's so much content that a inspired player base will pump out it's sometimes i'm sure as you know if you're staffing on a game you know well that it can be a lot a lot to read <laughs> yeah <laughs> we're not there yet <laughs> no. I, actually ashton was complaining i think he was complaining the other day he's like why won't people come on the forums and uh, role play with me <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of yeah. like our we just went through like a a little bit of a rules change and so everybody's mm. kind of like that's what everybody's using the forums for right now. <laughs> Oof. I feel, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I'm dreading our first, uh, we're, I'm planning on a yearly revision or so on our rule system just to see how, make sure everything's still on the up and up ourselves. And I'm dreading that first major change that has to happen. Yeah, it's, not, uh, <laughs> it's not easy. Especially when people are like, wait, but this did this before and now it doesn't. You're like, yeah, Ooh. it's balance. Yeah, well, we, we learned things like that from the playtest, too. Um, we found that uh, one of the guys who had a gun was, uh, well, it was working about as well as a gun would work, <laughs> a machine gun would work in any other setting, which was kind of causing a bit of a problem. Mm. 
Um, but rather than focusing on nerfing them, the approach that we've taken is to use the settings idea of scarcity and uh, and basically make bullets a, a consumable commodity that needs to be crafted, which should have a way of balancing the uh, the damage that they're able to deal out. How long ago was the playtest? It, it was August uh, last year, so oh. we'll be having our initial inaugural one one year from then. Nice. Yeah. Uh, have you have y'all played in a game before with nerf uh, in use? I have in two different games. And yeah, the one it was kind of broken <laughs> 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 for exactly the same reason because it's mm-hmm. like I have infinite rounds, so I just go and pick right. up the darts right. and I, I keep going. You just, right. <laughs> and, and one thing I noticed though when I first played with them is that they, you know, they're such a gamble to use. To be honest. Given their, unless you like mod it internally, which we are not allowing, like you can pretty it up as much as you want, but I can trust, while I can trust one person to mod something properly, I can't trust everyone to, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm actually in <laughs> the nerf modding community and I, oh, I play okay. with guys in New York and oh. uh, I'm, I want to go out to Ohio because they have a big like thing called like End War or something like that. Mm-hmm. There's one in Texas and whatnot. So, like, yeah. There's some crazy stuff you can do. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, I mean again, it gets dangerous, and then you're gonna have to require like eyewear and stuff. And... Right. And <laughs> while we're not requiring it now, while we are, we are allowing like basically every nerf out there, except for um, what's called electric ones or anything that's automated. Gotcha. Basically, you gotta have one some form of action between a you know a pump and then a fire. While we're not requiring it, we're basically incentivizing it. You know, you get a little bit of extra armor if you wear some form of eye protection and the like. Because, mm-hmm. again, we want a safe environment, but we also don't want to coddle people. Sure. Now, how much of the rules were things you guys kind of came up with on your own or were things you always wanted to see in a LARP versus, like, pretty standard rules or borrowed from other games that you liked <laughs> or... Yeah, I mean, I worked on this rule on the most current version of the rule system over the course of about a year and a half or so. Um, completely changed up how it went halfway through, but at its core, I wanted I looked at every single LARP I went to and tried to boil it down into the basics because there's only so many things you can properly do and still be legible and have it work in an active environment, you know? Uh, and it turns out it's basically pinning limbs, stopping movement, dealing damage, or some sort of mind effect, mm-hmm. something along those lines. So I just, I boiled it down, and I think, uh, what, how, how many uh, status effects do we limit it to? I think it's like, Ooh, I don't so know. It's like 12, maybe, <laughs> Thir- or 14? Uh, yeah, I think it's... I'd just I like to, to it clarify that I had nothing to do with writing the rules. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh... I had a lot of time on my hand when I first started my previous job. <laughs> also, I always tried to figure out, you know, how, yeah, like, how, how do you explain, how, I allowed the, pl- I'm allowing the players to write the fluff text, basically. Mm-hmm. We just, uh, we boil it down to what kind of damage or uh, what do you deal with? Is it physical things? Clubs, guns, crossbows, doesn't matter. Or energy things, you know, uh, gamma ray burst, sorcerer fireball. It's all energy. Mm-hmm. Just manipulating it some way, shape, or form, you know? 
Yeah, and you know, we put in their options to cast silently, so you don't have to say something like a lot of uh, LARPs use mm-hmm. for uh, casting. And really, though, at the end of the day, I give suggestions, but we don't give any sort of like fluff text that it's necessary. In other words, it's all skinnable. You can mm-hmm. reskin so, the same ability to to fit the setting or the the genre that your character works with. Right. You might have two players that took the exact same build, but they do it totally different, look totally different. Exactly. I think we had someone at the last <laughs> at the at the playtest who skinned their fire based attack as that they were ejecting their blood or something like that yeah that's yeah. not something like we would have magma blood or something yeah. <laughs> we were like all right why not <laughs> uh, you you tag your damage with fire <laughs> <laughs> the other i think characteristic thing of the rules uh is the loadout and refresh oh yeah that's uh, the next question could probably speak to that a little better right yeah one thing that I always that always bothered me was that in most games, a first level caster, they start to feel useless after they run out of spells or their energy or whatever, because, well, they can't pick up a sword usually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the rules don't allow them. And it always I always felt you should never be without some skill you can use, you know, to be active or to at least feel helpful in combat and the like. So we wanted to focus on a quick refresh system with a limited number of skills you have to remember at one time. Keep everything smooth, fluid. You can unlock as many skills as you want, but you have loadouts Mm -hmm. that get refreshed every hour on the hour with a bell, basically. Everyone hears that bell. Everyone gets a small number, like basically a handful of uh, skill points that they can use based off of their loadout. And uh, they have to use them wisely for that hour. It's, it makes sense. You rest for an hour. Sure. Yeah. So your, your uses aren't per event. Uh, there's, a, there's a kind of frequently occurring thing, which you don't have to keep, up in, keep track of in your head, which I think is a real big plus personally. <laughs> I just like trying to track five minutes in my head, so... Right. Uh, the the bell keeps everybody on the track, and incidentally, the bell is also that is an in game in universe sound that your characters are actually physically hearing, mm-hmm. and the reason for these loud bells is actually a big part of the plot that is uh, as as of yet completely unexplained. Hashtag spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag interesting. <laughs> so it, most of the lore. And everything is going to be player submitted. I guess I'm wondering, um, like, how do you go about preparing for games, uh, writing out kind of your year, however you want to do it, writing a story? So we're going for a bag of tricks approach. Um, like, I'm I'm just polishing up a uh, finished bestiary with because mm-hmm. you know with everything that's in there. Because at the end of the day, we know that you know it'll take time to build up a mythology based on what the players are putting in. And so that's why we have these starter worlds that will start um, attaching themselves in these shards, these fragments of reality that the players will have to deal with. And then as we get a, uh, get our regular players and things like that, we can start filtering in um, uh, elements of their worlds. So kind of a Kickstarter. <laughs> 
I, I do a lot of the, the prop making and stuff like that. Um, not all of it, but some of it. So it's like, I need to know <laughs> what the mm-hmm. next thing is to make. So like, right. BCR, yeah, we have a, we have a B series too. That's like not public to players or whatever. <laughs> Sorry. Actually. Right. No. <laughs> <laughs> no secrets released here. Yeah. <laughs> no. yeah, like, I don't know. You guys, you guys have like, um, we probably have like simple like NPCs or whatever with like, you know, oh, yeah. or something like that. Well, one thing that's nice is we did that same boiling down thing with monsters. Mm-hmm. We are by focusing on creature types and creature subtypes. And in our database, we're basically going to build up a, um, a system where, you know, if you're going out as X, you wear exactly this, 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 these colors, this tab, this exact, and you typically carry this kind of loot. And again, just make it consistent. Because something that always frustrated me um, in previous, you know, um, games I've been in is just I'd go to one game, goblins would act like X. You know, uh, I go to another game, they're completely different, complete different culture, and there was no no way for my character to plan ahead based off of it, you know? Mm. So really, though, we want to make sure that monsters are consistent, and at the end of the day... A vampire hunter in a sci-fi universe can probably kill Dracula. Yeah. In Bram Stoker's universe. Right. How is, is that going to work with um, staff and NPCing? Are people going to are you going to rotate different quarters? What your role is, mm-hmm. or you have people all-time NPC or just staff? Yeah. Um, for the most part, we are going to have a core head staff group um, with you know, uh, permanent NPCs as we get them, hopefully, sure. <laughs> you know, able bodies, but no, uh, we definitely want to involve some form of NPC shifts into our game. Maybe not. Um, uh, we're, we're working out the policy right now. We're thinking of it being mandatory. That was from my end, mainly just because to be honest, it's a great experience. Mm-hmm. Um, it lets you, it kind of, first time I ever did, it opened my eyes to what could be, you know, mm-hmm. and allows, allows staff to interact a little bit with the PCs in a way, get their vibe of things in game too. So uh, we may do something like an XP incentive. If you, you do a uh, NPC shift, something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Always got to invent, incentivize those players. <laughs> <laughs> you do. Well, that's really what game design is, is, <laughs> Designing incentives. Right. Yeah, we do a um, required one shift out of the four shifts, I think there are, at our game. Um, or you could pay more, basically, and buy out the Are y'all located shift. in? PA. PA, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, Southeast PA, New Jersey, Delaware area. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's weird how the cultures are. Further up north you get, people haven't even heard of NPC shifts. Mm-hmm. It was a... It was a core thing down in um, down south. Like you, you had to. I don't care. It's ninety degrees out. You're you're gonna fucking wave a stick around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I agree. It's uh, it's more than half the fun for me when we get to, you know, kind of relax. You don't have to worry about your character right. dying or whatever or <laughs> role playing. You're from the right, you know, kingdom or whatever. Well, at least at least for one period. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and yeah, you get to run around, hit people some more. 
that have been right. bugging you all weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Just pointing. You! <laughs> no, that doesn't happen in our game. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Where did you come up with the name? Or why did you come up? <laughs> So when I was first starting out, it was just an idea in my head. I talked to the only person who is forced to be in the same room with me while I talk at length about LARPing, which is my brother. And um, one, during one of our conversations, um, you know, uh, mental health issues kind of run in my family going back. And, you know, we're open about it. It's something that everyone deals with in some, in some form or another. But we were talking about bipolar disorder and how it was interesting that there are subcategories of it, at least named in the past. And one of the most interesting named ones was dysphoric mania. And given my background in you know, neuropsychology um, and trauma mitigation, and given that the world itself is a fragmented reality trying to f- stitch itself together... I thought I'd act. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, I did actually kind of wonder that because my wife works in the mental health field. And when I saw that mania, I was like, oh, I wonder if. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that makes sense. Do you feel uh, someone might get maybe offended or. Oh, yeah. Uh... Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's already oh, yeah. happened. <laughs> Is that that? It's, it, it, <laughs> it's happened. Um, and again, I just try to explain explain the story as I just did. It's it's something uh, I don't, well, I don't deal myself with dysphoric mania. It's something that my family does deal with, people what, that I love and care about do. I think um, I'm not too ups- I'm not too worried about it, to be honest. If that's how they feel, if that's what they care to be upset about and spend their time being upset about, that's, that's on them. Okay. That's a good answer. Yeah. Yeah, I, agree. I think it's pretty hard not to offend people these days. So just kind of worry to offend people and stick with that. Right? A, a bit. I mean, honestly, we are going to be, we are as open as possible. Like, don't care who or where anyone is from. We want, we want to hear your stories at the end of the day. Yeah. And I mean, in a way, it probably works as like a conversation starter to somebody that yeah. might be upset by it. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It also allows you to tell your your personal story, your family, and stuff like yeah. that, so they know it's like it's not coming from a place of like <laughs> ignorance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Just Google cool disorder. That's what you got. Do you want to talk any more about uh, some of the technology things? I know your website is a little huh. uh, different. I'll it, say, it, <laughs> or interactive it, to say the least. It's a little different, a little interactive. It's in its. Um, infancy obviously as we try to hack away a player portal eventually uh like some of the technology we're using right now Airtable, zaps or zapier um we're using those for um instant qr code creation for uh identifiable items hmm. um we're um I'm building up currently a platform on proximity.io it's called which is a way to use geolocation tagging uh, to s- create specific messages to specific people. And in this case, we're going to do it based off of the knowledge, skills, or um, background, or things like that. We can ping people and give them a message that you sent something odd off to the East uh, Trail. 
that's really cool. Are people yeah. going to need like a device with them or? Um, eventually, I think it'll be unfortunately necessary, but we're definitely going to err on the side of we'll provide if not. Because mm-hmm. again, we want this to be, we don't want someone's inability to afford a smartphone to get them right. to not enjoy the game. Totally. Yeah. So if someone is interested and wants to attend the game, what all would they need to do? Or um, So we have a couple of different avenues. Um, obviously, there's dysphoricmania.com, which, you know, it, it's a mouthful. I, I know. So try Facebook. Yeah. Facebook is pretty much the go-to uh, where most of our first updates happen. We also have our official Dysphoric Mania LARP group. Um, where you can join in on conversations and things like that. And then uh, finally, we use Discord for um, day-to-day chats. Um, We're going to open that one up for the role-play side of things as well. And then also for voice channels to be used in-game. Oh, cool. Do you want to talk about uh, Fireside Chats, too? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, And, and yeah, definitely. Uh, We have a Twitch um, stream that happens roughly once a week, depending on whether or not you know, we're out of town for work or something along those lines, mm-hmm. which is next week. <laughs> but the week after next, come tune in uh, to the Discord Mania Fireside Chat. Each time I basically just talk about a certain aspect of the game, um, updates on what's happening, because communication is one of our biggest goals. Mm-hmm. And that'll be on Twitch? Uh, yes, that'll be on Twitch, but we'll advertise the hell out of it everywhere else. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> It's also live on the... It, it's streamed on Twitch and on the, the Discord. Oh, yes. Nice. Simultaneously. Actually, I didn't know that. <laughs> I discovered <laughs> I that it. last time. <laughs> oh, that sounds awesome. Would somebody be able to play... Like This just kind of came to me um, mm-hmm. since you're talking about... The answer is yes before you say it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's going to be someone who doesn't actually show up to a game. Um, but could somebody... <laughs> Like, just exist in your world yes. through the roleplay on the website? Uh, yes, and beyond. Uh, we're going to have a radio show going during the game huh. uh, with a host that you never see. And I'm going to have people call in from other LARPs. So just call, he's called, they're calling in on the radio show, and they're going to get into arguments with my PCs. It's great. It's going to be great. <laughs> that is brilliant. That's awesome. Uh, No, we're really hoping to really push the boundaries on how do you hook plots. Mm -hmm. Uh, Any other things? Uh, We're getting close to an hour here. Uh, Um, No, I mean, that's about all all we got. I mean, like, um, I'm in New England for the long haul. I have never looked back from living in the Gulf Coast. Uh, And. We're alt- our ultimate goal is to well, my ultimate goal is to buy up property and again give all live action gamers of any sort, you know, paintball, airsoft, but because they're larpers in denial. Um, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> <laughs> but give them some place that's built for them, mm-hmm. and uh, what I mean that technologically speaking as well. So you know, Wi-Fi and cameras, so we know if everyone's just sitting in the tavern. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you Big guys brother running? is watching. <laughs> Always. <laughs> FBI guy. <laughs> are you guys running like monthly? 
Uh, uh, the goal is to get to at least um, eight to ten games. Well, uh, six to eight games a year, at least within the first few years. Um, again, though, uh, yeah, we want to be pretty regular, though, eventually. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think like when we started, as I the the game that mm-hmm. I'm a part of or whatever, we were like, we're only going to do like one day events. Like everybody like really pushed us to do like full right. weekend. So we did, and then it was just like you know. Right, and that, and yeah, yeah, exactly. So we I, ran I, from I, from March until I think it was uh, October, and then they were mm. like, "Oh, you got to do some more events." Oh. So then we did November, and then we were like, "All right, guys, but like seriously, break." Here's a tip I learned from a game in Texas. They did once a year. They did a because um, they ran every right. every month. They did a player run event. They got one group core group in their player base to host an event that took place in world from a, in another location. And it was actually pretty cool. It worked out real well. It obviously involves a lot of trust with your player base. <laughs> but, um, so much for that. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, but really we're just hoping we're going to let the momentum guide us. It, it sounds really awesome. It sounds like you guys have really got something there. And, uh, the way you're using technology and everything sounds, sounds amazing. <laughs> I've been excited about this since I was like eight and I didn't even know what it was. <laughs> Those are the best projects. <laughs> I like the layout of your uh, rule book, the graphics in the back. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love royalty free stock images that you just turn to silhouettes. Mm. I, I put, I try, I try my best to convey little scenes in the background. So hey, I, I hope job. they made you chuckle. Yeah. I saw the, uh, the dragon on the block. <laughs> Uh, and the wizard yeah. with a machine gun or whatever. Oh yeah, no, yeah. I think it's a witch with a machine gun. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> oh, yeah that's a good one. The uh, the, uh, the someone's got to make that character, or we'll have to make it an NPC. <laughs> sure, <laughs> done. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. But anyway, yeah, we'll have no, to have you guys a- on. Um, you know, Man, really anytime. whenever, um, but definitely after the game's been running and see how everything turned out and hear some of the sweet stories and pe- the world if the game's created. you got a character you guys want to call in on, hit us up. We'll, we'll put you in oh, game. Definitely. <laughs> nice. I like the radio idea. I'll call it yeah, the radio right. show. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, you got to do uh, one of our podcasts and interview somebody. Uh, oh, you man, know? That would be hilarious. <laughs> Someone calls in to interview the radio host. Uh, <laughs> no, I love it. Alrighty, thank you so much for joining us, Blaze and Darud. Pretty cool. What do you think, guys? Yeah, it sounded awesome. Yeah, I love uh, mashups of genres and stuff, and when you know, science and magic and guns, whatever goes all together. It's always really cool if you can make that work. And sometimes just getting rid of all the rules is the way to do it. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely interested to see how it turns out. If you guys were going to play, what kind of character might you play? Go ahead, Joe. Thank you. It's just like, Joe has to have an idea. Um, <laughs> I don't even know. That's like, it's a little bit mind blowing to kind of like have that opportunity to play like anything you could think of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. That's hard. Uh, probably play like a, like a space bounty hunter or something like that. Um, something I've always wanted to play. Mm-hmm. No, I haven't gotten the chance to. <laughs> 
Yeah, and I think that's what their goal is. They want to give people that opportunity. What about you, Evan? Actually, always been a big fan of uh, Western style. Like, I don't watch a lot of Westerns, but I love that, like, gun-toting, duster coat, you know, mm-hmm. uh, either, you know, lone desperado or taking on a whole town of bandits kind of guy. So maybe someone with a couple pistols and then have some other aspect to them, either, like, I don't know, like a science bombs, or he also has magic for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> a wild Arms character? He's just going to be the stranger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Wild Arms. That would be, that'd be awesome. I know I posed this question, but I didn't really think of it. <laughs> I was thinking, like, oh, I could just play Tucknar. I already got all the equipment. <laughs> uh, yeah, I might still play an orc. Yeah, I'd probably come up with like 10 characters before I actually played and then <laughs> finally pick one. I always get that like sting of something like, I don't know, just I'll play in a bunch of things, but then that one that sticks out, mm. the other ones get like just pushed to the side. Yeah. I usually ask Evan which one he likes best and he kind of helps me narrow it down. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of times I'll find like one skill in the game I really like and just base my whole character off of that. <laughs> I want that skill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it sounds like you can kind of like have it all at this game i mean if everything's kind of like it's the categorized damage and stuff like that so it's like energy so you could be a wizard or you could shoot like energy blasters or whatever you know it's a really cool concept yeah no, that's pretty cool there was a uh superhero tabletop game that had pretty loose rules like that like there was one energy blast skill but it you know, it could be a, a raycon or a magic beam or whatever. Eye lasers. <laughs> Eye lasers. Thanks for listening. Uh, if you don't mind, give us a subscribe and a review on iTunes. That helps us out. You can find us on Spotify and uh, be sure to like our Facebook page. We're trying to do a little more there. Just kind of share, you know, LARP-related things that we find that we think are interesting. Um, so if you're not getting enough LARP in your Facebook feed, be sure to give us a like. And uh, if you have anything you want to talk to us about, please uh, message us on there on Facebook and we can set up an interview. Um, If you've got a cool story or new LARP you want to talk about, we'd love to hear it. Alrighty, thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time on 321 Lay On Podcast. I'm glad I recorded that bit.